I think it was a little bit of a dirty joke. You see, we came back from the beaches of South Carolina to this, and I say, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. We had, just so you know, we had an incredible time together as a family. I so appreciate your prayers. It was so gracious of you to allow us the privilege of getting away, and, and it was needed. We really enjoyed getting away. Uh, everything, everything just worked. Uh, we had layovers. You know, we have layover, plane layovers. You always worry if you're late on the first one, it's going to happen. But everything was flawless. We got to spend a little bit of time in Midway in in uh, Chicago, and of course, uh, in our years in Chicago, we spent a lot of hours in Midway. So that was kind of like uh, home territory. Coming back from there, we laid over in Baltimore. Never been to Baltimore before. Never want to go again. <laughs> It was so busy, the airport, this shoulder to shoulder there. But, but we made the connections, again, flawlessly, and so that was great. My kids say hello. They so appreciate uh, the opportunity to meet together. And this is, this is unprecedented for us to all get together like we did and be together at one time. That was, that was pretty special. All of my kids and grandkids were there except for one son-in-law and my oldest uh, granddaughter were unable to come. But all the rest of us were there, and we even got along together. So praise the Lord. I thank you. Missed being here. Uh, so appreciate all the extra that uh, Pastor Vanderhart did. I've heard nothing but good reports of that. So, so kudos. Thank you. And uh, the, the better he does, the more freedom I have to leave. So we'll be seeing you next weekend. We'll be leaving again. And uh, just, just kidding. Just kidding. I, I told him, I said, I am, I'm way too selfish. I selfishly protect this pulpit. And uh, I have looked forward to being a, uh, a pastor for so, the senior pastor for so many years that it's hard for me to give it over. But uh, I, I know I need to do that once in a while, and it was just a refreshment to be away. Um, continue to pray for some individuals. Pray for Jerry Ruckel. Uh, Jerry's in the hospital, and uh, they, uh, as far as I know, are right now doing a procedure on her. Uh, her gallbladder became inflamed. And uh, they did not find any stones, but they said there was sludge causing the problem. And they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to affect it because they said it may uh, aggravate the pancreatitis that she's struggling from. And so they didn't want to do it, but uh, let me just double check here. Now, if, uh, hold on. Sorry, I should have looked earlier. Okay. Um, as of 916... She was being prepared for the surgery, and it could last anywhere from one to four hours. And so uh, just, just continue to pray for her. And I know she'd appreciate your prayers as she battles this cancer. Uh, it's good to have the Trigstad family all here, at least a part of them, and I guess more are coming, right? So it would be nice to have them in uh, the passing of Paul's father, correct? And they had the funeral on, was it yesterday that you said? Funeral? Friday. Okay, and so our prayers will continue to be with you and for traveling mercies for the family as they all arrive. And I know you'll be a blessed as you have the family all together because I'm saying personal experience, family's pretty important. So I'm, I'm glad you have this opportunity. Well, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. And by the way, thank you for coming today. I appreciate that. Um, you know, there's a little inclement out there and our first snowfall. There's something about the first snowfall that makes everybody really crazy. The stores are just insane. Right before the first snowfall, you would think, honestly, that the world is ending when you go to the store before this. It's just crazy. But thank you for braving the weather and the roads of being here this morning. And, and I've been praying that this will be a very special service in light of that. So let's bow for prayer. I thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for your love. 
I thank you for this place, this place we call Hope Baptist Church. And Lord, I was so grateful how you have met with us on a frequent basis. And I would ask, Holy Spirit, that you would settle yourself among us this morning in a very special way. May there not be one heart that is not touched by you today. I pray, Lord, that you will give me the words to speak. I pray, Lord, that uh, people this morning will hear from you and not me. I pray, Lord, that you will give us an encouraging time together. And I pray, Lord, as we leave at the end of the service, we will leave being closer to you. Thank you for all you've done. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaac. Number 657, A New Name in Glory. I was once a sinner, but I came pardon to receive from the Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. A sinner has come home. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to wrong. I was humbly kneeling at the cross. singing in our final congregational, Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. All I need. 
for singing this morning.
This morning I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of 1 John. I did not purposely plan it this way, but my Sunday morning and my Sunday evening and my Wednesday night series all came to a conclusion at the same time, which means starting today, we're going to be looking at this morning and this evening, introducing two new series, and, and then a week from Wednesday night, we'll be introducing a new series. Now, most of you don't have the understanding of what it does for me in starting a new series. Um, a lot of pressure, because I pray diligently, and I search, and I ask God for wisdom, and uh, that's for one. And so when all three of these hit, it was just so timely that God allowed me to be away for these week and a half, and um, I spent a lot of time in prayer, and a lot of, I've spent a lot of time studying before I ever went on vacation, a lot of time studying in preparation for this. But, um, but what excites me is how I'm seeing the three separate series intertwining. And when I was led to the various um, topics of the series, I, I did not have that in mind. It's just God so graciously allowed these to come together, which is so helpful when you're studying for one to realize you're benefiting from the other studies and how they're all coming together. And then when I came to this one, I already knew what I was doing, and I had a, a great deal of research done and study in preparation for this series. And then evangelist Dr. John Van Gilderen shows up, and he preaches my series. Now, that's not quite right, but, but what he was teaching were truths that I had been studying and uh, so eager to share with you, and so it was just God's timing that, uh, that uh, we're going to open the door here to this particular passage. And we're going to just give you really an introduction today, if you will, to the series here in 1 John. And, and uh, Lord willing, we'll, the next weeks we'll be uh, exploring the truths of 1 John. And I have to be completely transparent. 1 John is not a book that I have looked forward to preaching. When I read through it, I read through the Bible, I always get to 1 John and read through it. But it has not ever captured my heart like it has this time. And so I'm eager to share with you. Let me read for you just two verses, and then I'll pray and give to you what God's given me for today. 1 John 1, 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. I believe, based upon what I've learned from this study, that Jesus came to give us a picture of what eternal life looks like. When, when I talk about eternal life, always up until now, I think of living forever. It's eternal life. I got saved as an 11-year-old boy, and I got eternal life. I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. When I share the gospel, 
with someone. The intention is that they might trust Christ to have eternal life, living forever, but I never really grasped that that is a sad underestimation of what eternal life is. We're going to look today at what John teaches us about this thing called eternal life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love and blessing, and thank you for the refreshing time away that Nancy and I had. But thank you, Lord, for this time. And Lord, I believe that you have a truth that we need today. I certainly needed it. And I pray, Lord, that you in your power will deliver it. And may you be glorified, and may we leave this place closer to you. For we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. A number of years ago now, I was up hiking in the mountains, and, and uh, I don't remember how high we got, but I remember walking alongside a stream. And you know, when you're hiking up in the mountains, the streams can be very, very narrow. This particular stream probably, as my mind's eye, was about four feet wide. And you know, what I love about the streams up in the mountains is they're crystal clear. You can look down and you can see the bottom of the, of the stream there, the rocks there, and the different things, and you can keep an eye out for fish as you're, as you're walking along because it's, it's, they're oftentimes not real deep. And this particular stream was not deep at all. So I'm walking up the, the, the path and sometimes it would bring me close to the creek and sometimes it would go away and once in a while you would go across the creek back and forth, but we meandered up the, up the mountainside alongside this, this creek. We're about halfway up the, hall, the, uh, the, the path, and there's two guys coming down toward us. It didn't take me long to realize they're carrying quite a load. They had fishing gear, and over their shoulders were stringers that were full of the most incredible trout I've ever seen in the wild. Massive trout. Each of the two guys had a stringer full of these massive trout. Swollen body, just big, big, beautiful, beautiful trout. And I said, guys, I can't believe that you caught those trout. Where did you get them? They said, just a habit in the stream. I'm looking on the stream. The stream's about four feet wide. The stream can't be more than about that deep. Where in the world? So I started looking for trout, and sure enough, I started noticing that these massive trout in there. I walked a little while later, and then I realized on the way down, we got the base after, the, after our hike. We got down to the base. Of course, the guys were now long gone. There was a big sign. No fishing. Spawning grounds. They had ignored that sign, obviously, and gone up there and illegally caught all these fish. I thought about oh, the, the stream. The stream that is filled with these massive, giant trout. Wow! And of course, they swim up in these streams way up there and they lay their eggs and they just spawn. I thought about that in application to today's message. Do you know in that, in that little, seemingly relatively small stream was everything those trout needed to become massive? Now, I'm sure most of their life was not spent in that little stream. They were probably in larger streams, in, in rivers. Now it's time to spawn, so they find a place to go up to. I understand that. 
But what do you suppose fed the rivers? Where'd the river get the water? From these small streams. In that stream was everything that was necessary for these fish to survive and thrive. It says here in verse number two, the life was manifested. What life? Well, it goes on to say, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. Now, when they looked at Jesus and spent time with Jesus, did they see forever in him? Is that really what, was, what he was demonstrating to them as he lived with them? Forever? Well, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Living forever with Christ is, that's great, but is that really what he showed them? Was forever life. Is that what was manifested to them? Forever life. Well, it got me thinking. Maybe there's more to eternal life than just living forever. You see, Jesus' ministry from the beginning was a revelation of what's called here eternal life. When Jesus showed up on the scene in his public ministry, from that day until the day that he rose again and ascended, his ministry on earth was to reveal to mankind eternal life. You see, Jesus is the full expression of eternal life. He's called the word of life. What is a word? A word is an expression of truth. It expresses a thought. And Jesus, as we learned in other series, is a full expression of his heavenly Father. He expressed to mankind who the Father is. You can see the Father in that you've seen me. Jesus, the word, the full expression of this eternal life. And Jesus displayed eternal life power. The Greek word is dunamis. It's a very special power an ability, but oftentimes translated with a supernatural ability. Matthew 13, 54, And when he was come unto his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is that dunamis, these mighty works? How can this man be doing these mighty works? The word means force, especially a miraculous power. It's the word oftentimes used for miracle, a wonderful work. What did Jesus do as a wonderful work? Well, we see that he healed sicknesses. He healed a leper in Matthew 8, 2 and 3. Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. He healed the centurion servant. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Matthew 8, verses 8 and 13. Peter's mother-in-law. In Matthew 8, verses 14 and 15, And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, 
And the fever left her, and she arose and ministered to them. Jesus was a miracle-working revelation of eternal life. He cast demons out. In Mark 1, verses 23 and following, And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, verse 25, And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, and so much they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. There's that eternal life power. He even raised the dead. John eleven fourteen, 14, Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Verse 15, and I'm glad for your sakes I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Verse 43, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. In verses 1 and 2 in our text, we see that Jesus' ministry was to be witnessed and declared. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon, our hands have handled the word of life. For the life was manifested, we've seen it, and bear witness. And show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and it was manifested unto us. See, the disciples saw this eternal life firsthand. We have heard. We have seen with our eyes. We've looked upon. Our hands have handled what? This life. This eternal life. The life was manifested or made apparent revealed, and we've seen it. Jesus spent three years with his disciples, teaching them, carrying out his eternal life ministry in the hearts and lives of all who would believe. They had a front row seat to most everything Jesus did. And then the, Jesus, and then the disciples shared eternal life. We have seen it, bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life. The disciples, first of all, faithfully carried out the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, they were told, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The disciples fulfilled the complete commission of Christ. They taught all nations by sharing the gospel. They baptized their converts. They discipled them by teaching them to observe all things Jesus commanded them. I believe that we today are living in disobedience. If we are not actively involved in one way or another in all aspects of the Great Commission, that's why Monday nights we have Great Commission Night. A group of our folks meet together on Monday nights. 
we assemble scriptures. Those scriptures are sent around the world with a purpose of sharing the gospel with the lost world. We've got growth group teachers who share the gospel and they teach biblical truths in discipling their class members. Some of us go out knocking on doors, trying to begin the process by looking for opportunities to teach all nations. You can enter into the Great Commission by sharing Christ with your friends, family, neighbors, and by praying for the lost to get saved. You can support our missionaries that are serving around the world. You can be a participant productively in this life-changing work, but you must participate. There's no room for just sitting on the fence when it comes to fulfilling the Great Commission. The disciples left us an example of sharing this eternal life with the world. They shared with others what they had seen in Acts 2.32. This Jesus hath God raised up. Notice, whereof we are all witnesses. We saw it. Our eyes actually saw this. In Acts 3.15, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. We saw it in Acts 5.32. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. The disciples left us an example of sharing eternal life, what they witnessed. One of the greatest soul-winning tools we have at our disposal is our own testimony. Let me share with you what Jesus did for me. Can I tell you about a time when I was 11 years old, I knelt down next to my dad and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ? My own testimony of the reality of the saving grace of Jesus. We are witnesses of his love and salvation. And if you're here today and have been saved, then you're a witness. You witnessed Jesus Christ's saving power in your life. And you can use that testimony to share with others. The disciples' message of eternal life is to be repeatedly shared. In Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, unto the uttermost part of the earth. Why? Because the task of winning the lost is never-ending. There will always be someone needing to hear the gospel message. Jesus' ministry was, in fact, eternal life. In John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Eternal life is given by the Son of God. Jesus purchased it with His shed blood, and He gave His life because of His love for you and for me. Jesus gives eternal life in the form of salvation and sanctification. 
being saved or justified is part of it. But he also gave us a lifelong process of becoming more and more like him. He gave us eternal life. Eternal life is a free gift. Romans 6.23, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And yes, I had my mind so focused on just living forever that I've always just relegated this truth to just the duration of time. I never understood how rich that stream of life was supposed to be. More than just living forever, but living forever along the way, taking out all of the incredible blessing that God has for me in this life stream of eternal life. You see, living a long life can be a tremendous blessing. Living to be 95, 100, 105 or older can be a tremendous blessing. Or it could be a tremendous curse. I shared with you a dear lady that, that had some kind of a stroke. I don't remember what it was. In her 80s, it laid her up in, the, in a nursing home. It took out her ability to hear and then her ability to see. Day after day, just laying there, withering away. I'd go by and I would see her. And of course, I could not communicate. I'd take her hand and I'd hold and I'd pray over her. Many times she had no idea who I was. That went on for years. For years she was in that state. God finally took her home and there's a very special place in heaven prepared for her because she was a wonderful Christian. But just living a long life or a forever life, what if it's not all it's cracked up to be? What if we find out that, that, that eternity isn't full? So what did Jesus do? He came to promote much more than just living forever. He came to promote a full life, living forever. Teaching us how we can go into that stream and partake of all the rich blessings. And we can grow and find our, find our, find our strength there and our encouragement there. And find not just a long life, but a full life. Those trout were incredibly full. That's the kind of fish I wanted to catch. Those little puny ones are about this long and have nothing to them. Can't even fillet them. What kind of life do I want to live? I want to live an eternal life. Life. Eternal life is offered freely and liberally. Eternal life is priceless. But we can't afford it. But we can get it free through Jesus Christ. 
Eternal life comes by believing in John 3, 14 and following. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Notice that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. How? By believing. How can I get this eternal life that was revealed in Jesus Christ? Not just a forever life, but a full life. I get it by believing. Eternal life is accessed and empowered by faith. As the Lord brought a judgment of poisonous snakes among His people for complaining, He also provided the antidote. Moses, make a serpent out of brass and attach it to a pole. Then stand that pole up so all can see. Whoever will look to the serpent on the pole after being bitten by that poisonous snake will live simply by looking. God illustrated the secret and power of eternal life. It's through believing, through faith. Eternal life provides access to know God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. With this framework in mind, listen to these verses in John 17, 1 and following. These words spake Jesus, and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. As Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him, notice, and this is eternal life. What? He's going to tell us. This is eternal life. That they may know Him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What is eternal life? Just living forever, he says right here. Here is eternal life. It is knowing God. Philippians 3.10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. 1 John 2, 3 and 4, and hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him and keepeth not His commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in Him. All three of these passages that use the word know are translated from the very same original word. It is a word meaning to know by experience. I know because I've experienced. I remember learning how to drive. One of the first things we got was a driver's manual. They say, you need to take this manual and read it. You need to study it because you're going to be tested on this manual. And before you could legally get behind the wheel, you had to have passed a written test on that written manual. Well, so I learned something from that experience. <clears throat> Reading the manual is not as the same as sitting behind the wheel and putting your feet on the different pedals. They're, they're not together at all. Learning what the street signs mean have very little to do with getting the car to go and stop. To know that if you're driving the car this way, and your hand is on the wheel, and you look this way, your hand is not supposed to follow your eyes. Learning how to operate the car. How do you do that? By reading a manual? No. You do it by experience. 
Every morning I read about God, Jesus, the Spirit of God. Every morning I read about them. But he wants me to do much more than just read about them. He wants me to experience them. He wants for me to experience the fullness of eternal life. So I read a truth about God. And I say, oh, that's pretty cool. That's wonderful. And then I leave it and go about my life as if I never read that truth. I'm not experiencing God. Ah, but if I love the truths that I read in his word, change me. And I begin submitting myself to what I learned. All of a sudden, I begin experiencing this eternal life relationship. I'm not a spooky Christian, believing there's demons behind every door. But I also believe in a real Holy Spirit. And I do believe in a spirit world. And I believe there's a whole lot more going on than we give credit to behind the scenes. That which we cannot see. And I believe there is a spirit world that God wants his believers to enter into with their spirit. To where we begin communing with and fellowshipping with God in a real way, not just a checkbox way. I got up and I read my Bible, checkbox. I got up and I prayed, checkbox. I got up and I went to church, checkbox. But my whole life is me. Eternal life enables us to fully know the Lord Jesus Christ. Eternal life is the life stream flowing from the life of Christ. So the more we fully submerge our life into His, the more completely we will know Him. Eternal life can be assured in 1 John 5, 12 and 13. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things, John writes, have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can know it, but not just know there's an extended lifetime forever, but you can know that you have a fullness of life. You can know it. You can know that there's a reality of the Christ-like life in you. You can know it, John says. You can know by understanding and acknowledging. This word know here, a little different word. It means to know by understanding and acknowledging the facts. So I read about them. I read everything I can about them. I saw the facts. Now I am personally acknowledging those facts are true. I don't just read them, but I acknowledge they're true. They're true. That you may know that you have eternal life. I've met lots of folks struggling with doubts of their salvation. <laughs> I've dealt with folks that have walked an aisle a dozen times and getting saved every time because they think that they're not saved. I didn't do something right. I didn't kneel right. I didn't say the right words. I had a 
thought in my mind that shouldn't have been there. I didn't have enough faith when I believed. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. You see, the whole problem is they have not acknowledged the facts that it's all Jesus. He did it all. All I have to do is very passively accept. He did the work. I can't work for it. I simply receive what he did. So those poor souls who are constantly struggling with doubts have the wrong focus. They're focusing on me instead of him. Him. He died on the cross to pay for my sins. I don't deserve that payment. I'm a guilty sinner. I'm lost without him. But he said if I will come to him and trust in him, he'll forgive my sins and save me. I acknowledge the truth. I believe the truth, and by faith, I enter into what he calls eternal life. Eternal life is also secure. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You talk about security. Eternal security. When you got saved, you were placed in the hand of Jesus, who died for you and rose again for you and is interceding on your behalf. Where is Jesus? Jesus is in the hand of the Father. Just try getting out of there. Secure. Eternal life is secure. When my daughters were young, I was just paranoid about being in public with my daughters. As you had read, read so many accounts of, of people, young kids getting abducted, when we go into a, a public setting, a mall or, or a park or whatever, there's lots of people around, I had a vice grip on the hand of my daughters. Vice grip. Daddy, let go! No. <laughs> They'd try to pull away from me, and that old vice grip got tighter. Their old hand was turning white. It's going to fall off soon, but that's okay. I lose a hand, not a daughter. <laughs> they were protected because anybody mess with my daughter, they're going to mess with me. Anybody messing with one of God's children is messing with God. That's security. That's security. Jesus' ministry is to be expanded by means of eternal life. Lastly, Jesus came to show us more than just a way to live forever. The life he showed was one of great power and purpose. His mastery over all sickness, the demons, and even death shows that eternal life is to be fully accessed by it's children today. We are challenged to believe on Jesus to accomplish even greater works than he did, all by accessing what we have enriched stream of eternal life. In, in John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So as God sees the local New Testament church today, does he see a church accessing 
all that there is for them in this life stream of eternal life? Or are they walking along the stream, admiring it once in a while, perhaps crossing over it, even peering into it, looking at the large trout, but never once partaking for themselves? Eternal life is not just a forever life. It is the Christ life to be fully accessed today. Years ago, a fellow showed up at the addictions home there in Illinois. He was hopeless and lifeless. He came as a broken alcoholic. He had tried at least three times to kill himself. The last one almost worked. He stepped out in front of a truck. While there, he truly found the reality of Christ. He secured his salvation and he was baptized. He began a process of growing in his walk with the Lord as he developed a personal relationship that he had never had before. A personal relationship with a real Christ. A living Christ. He found out that Christ was more than just a story. He was a real person that wanted to fellowship with him. He began drinking regularly from this life stream of eternal life, and his life was radically transformed. He's now married to my youngest daughter. They have a precious nine-year-old, nine-month-old boy who's my namesake. Brad and I were talking one morning, and he reminded me that I had been the one privileged to baptize him many years before. I'd forgotten. If you would have told me then that in just a few years I would be giving approval for him to marry my daughter, I would have said, over my dead body. And I would have meant it. I failed to acknowledge the life-transforming power of the Christ life. We had one of the most blessed times this time in South Carolina. All my folks, all my family was there. Almost all my family was there. And it was glorious. When we were done with the whole family, we had rented a, 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 a vacation home. And the two families had to leave, so we spent about four days together, and then they had to leave. And... The rest of the time we spent with just Brad and Katie and, and Daniel. And we had a blessed time. What was so encouraging to me were the times it was just Brad and I, and he was asking me questions. He's carrying an enormous weight, pressure right now, with the ministry he's working in and, 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 and just a lot of things going on. But just to see the, the spiritual growth going on there. So what Jesus came to reveal, when he says, For the life was manifested, and we've seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. It's a life that I'm saddened to think of how many 
believers are never, ever partaking in that life. Oh, they're saved. They're going to heaven. They'll live forever. And oh, it'll be glorious. But they will not have the fullness that Christ wants to give them in a Christ life. So as we conclude, do you have any more than just a head knowledge of who Jesus is? Do you know Jesus? And if you trusted him, I'm not doubting your salvation. That's not the issue. Have you experienced the Christ life? Is he real to you? He and I spent some time this morning. I read about him. I talked to him. Before coming up here to, to preach to you, we had a little discussion. I begged the Holy Spirit to fill me with his spirit. That what you would receive this morning was not me. It was his life. Would you this morning? Perhaps, perhaps the Christ-like life is very natural for you, and that's where you are in your life. And I say, praise the Lord, continue. Continue swimming in that life, that, that, that eternal life stream. It's, it's glorious. Become a fat trout. Just, just, just enjoy it. If you're not, if you've not experienced it, by faith, jump in. Jump in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful this morning for this eternal life, this Christ life that's been presented. It's been there all along, but how oblivious I've been to seeing it. Spirit of God, would you please help us to go beyond just seeing the truth. Help us to acknowledge it. And help us to experience knowing you knowing eternal life. May we get to know who you really are. May we get to experience the fullness of your love. As we begin to depend upon you, may we understand what true faith is all about. May we begin to understand that it's not I, but Christ liveth in me. May we get our eyes off of ourselves, our insecurities, our weaknesses, our fears, and onto you, the victor. May we begin to experience what you planned for us all along. A life lived by you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I don't know in what way the Spirit of God has spoken to your heart this morning, but I believe the Spirit of God has spoken. I want us to quietly stand to our feet. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And I want you to respond this morning. The altar is open. If you want to come down and kneel and pray, you may do that. You can also pray where you're at, but do not leave this place. Just seeing it and not applying it to your life. Do you need to confess to the Lord that you've been a bystander? 
not personally partaking of this eternal life that he's offering to you? Perhaps you walked in this morning not knowing for sure that heaven is your home when you die. Well, I've got good news for you. Jesus already paid your price for sin on the cross when he shed his blood from us. He asks that we, that we acknowledge that we're sinners. It's impossible for us to get to heaven on our own because we're of our sin. But because he took care of that, all we have to do is come by faith to him, confess that we are sinners, and then trust him and him alone to save us. Nobody's looking around, so I'm going to ask a question. Is there anyone in this audience this morning who would say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven, but I want to know. Would you pray for me? Anyone like that? They put their hand up so I can see it. I wouldn't call your name out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but anyone that I could pray for? Pastor, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die, but I want to know. Please pray for me. Anyone like that? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this sweet time. I pray that you might continue what you've begun. I pray, Lord, as we dive into this eternal life and in the weeks to follow, that you will give us this understanding of not just what it is, but help us to understand it by experience. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.